Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There are a lot of platforms out there which really don't cater to beginners. They have great features, but when you're first starting out, you want something that's not intimidating, something that's easy to use. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. How do you buy and sell shares? It's a very basic question, especially now that so many options are becoming available. As you've heard on past episodes, it used to be via landline, phone and paper documents. Then it went online in the 90s. Now you can invest on your device of choice. Joining me today is Robert Francis. G'day, Robert. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Robert's the Managing Director of eToro, a platform that aims to remove barriers and make online trading and investing more accessible to the everyday user. It's also about zero fees, which is quite exciting. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> find you. out all about that. So um, you worked in Comsec, which is your traditional original online broker. How was that? What was it like working there? You were in the options desk, yes, weren't you? Yes. When I, when I first started, it was on the share broking side. Mm-hmm. Comsec was very small. It had just begun to dominate the market, I suppose. We were in a very small office. Uh, and then as it grew, I worked there for about a couple of years. And then I went to a rival company called TD Waterhouse, mm-hmm. which is owned by TD Bank. And over there is where I got involved in options. And I ran the options desk over there. Well, Comsec decided to buy TD Waterhouse. I think they paid something like $1 for it (laughs) (laughs) because TD Bank were looking to get out of Australia, uh, realising that Comsec kind of dominated the whole landscape at that stage. And I was offered the opportunity to go back to Comsec and run the options and international trading desk over there. It's like the mafia, isn't it? You try and get away and they, they pull you back in. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to Michael Blomfeld, uh, the CEO at the time. <laughs> so um, culturally, you're working for eToro, you're managing eToro now. What's the difference like between, you know, I guess it's a quite a large corporate culture into what's now, is it a startup? Is it a platform? What's the, what's the correct term I should be using? I would probably say in Australia it's a startup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a startup uh, globally. We've been around since 2007. We've grown dramatically over the last um, three, four years. We've kind of doubled in size and kept doubling in size. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly here in Australia, uh, it was a startup. I mean, when I came, I was the first person and then built a team. Uh, we're now 48 people. We'll probably be 60 by the end of next month mm-hmm. because I'm currently recruiting. So it is growing very rapidly, but it's a fintech business more than your traditional finance broker. Let's start talking about coming in fresh to the markets, because that's who the listeners of this podcast are. What are some of the things they should be considering when looking at online trading platforms? I suppose it's finding something that you're comfortable with, a platform that you can understand, easy to use. There are a lot of platforms out there which really don't cater to beginners. They have 
great features and maybe it's something that you would gravitate to once you've been trading for a while because they may have the kind of um, either charts or fundamentals or whatever you might be looking for that can help you trading. But when you're first starting out, you want something that's not intimidating, something that's easy to use. Uh, And that's really what's important. But to be honest, it's not really the platform that's essential. It's more what you're looking to do on the platform and how you want to trade. I mean, they're the things that are more important. It is, isn't it? It's all about learning and um, getting your skills set up and, and everything. Is there kind of any advice that you give beginners that um, that are looking to start? I'm sure, sure you've got plenty of advice. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, the first thing that I would say to anybody looking to start, only invest what you can afford to lose. Do not put in your life savings into something um, because the fact of the matter is investing, sure, you can read about how somebody turned $100 into $500 or whatever denomination you want to, to use in that particular case. However, I could tell you many stories of other people where it's gone the other way. They've lost all their money. So the most important factor is, first of all, what you can afford to lose. The second thing is preservation of capital. What you want to do is get your money back. It's not about doubling your money. You know, it's too easy for people to think I'm going to turn this $100 into $200 and then two into four and on and on and on. No, it's about, you know, just making sure that if you're investing in something, you can get it back. Warren Buffett talks about this a lot. Preservation of capital or return of capital is really what's important. And then it's about risk management, you know, understanding when you're going to take a loss and also, more importantly, when you're going to take profit. I see too many people that kind of take profit early, and yet when the market goes against them or the stock goes against them, then they're holding on and holding on and hoping that it'll go back up. And then when it goes back to the price at which they bought it at, they sell. And so it becomes a zero-sum game for a lot of people. I think if you keep that in mind when you're first starting out, that's probably going to help you a lot. And then fourth thing is probably... Don't get caught up with jumping onto what is the so-called cool stocks to own. Mm. I mean, we've seen examples of this, you know, only a couple of months ago with Hertz cars uh, over in the US. This is a stock that was going into bankruptcy, and yet it spiked, doubled in value very quickly. Now, people that bought it when it was at the bottom, sure, did fine. A lot of people got in late because they heard Hertz was going through the roof, and they lost all their money because the market promptly turned around and went straight back down. The company is going bankrupt. So it's those kind of things that you need to be aware of, I think, when you're first starting. It is. It's, it's, and it's also that thing where people, a lot of new people coming in, they, they're looking at um, ticker codes mm-hmm. and what they've heard on some forum or some friend has talked to them about. But they're not actually researching and understanding mm-hmm. what the business is all about. It's really important to understand what the business is about, isn't it? I think so, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's necessary for people to be looking at stocks that they don't know anything about and then doing research. At the end of the day, you can find investments out there or or money that you want to invest in a particular company just by looking around. One of the first books I ever read on investing was um, Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. And he talked about how, you know, you walk around into a shopping mall and you look around and you see what's actually working. And there are many examples of this. You can go back and ask people, you know, what, maybe five, six years ago, um, Apple. 
Now, Apple was, you know, when you saw the queues, when a new iPhone was coming out, and you saw the queues that would go all around the building, you know, and down the street, and it might, might be 400, 500 deep, you know, that kind of tells you, hold on a second, this is a company that maybe I should be investing in. Would I be buying Apple now? Probably not. But back then, it was a good investment. And I think there's a lot of examples like that even now. I mean, if you're in construction, for example, and you're using a tool that you find to be fantastic, it gets the job done quickly, what's the name of the company producing that tool? Maybe that's something you should be investing in. So I think they're the kind of things that you know first-time investors should be looking at rather than getting caught up with, oh, Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, all these tech stocks that are in vogue right now. Yeah, or Afterpay here in Australia. Correct. Yeah, yeah there's just people. Because I've, I've seen that with young people where they they ask me, you know, oh, what do you think about Afterpay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, you can't. You can't give that advice to people and you can't tell them – you have to tell them that there's a whole bunch of other ways of investing in the market and keeping it safe and managing the risk, like you say. I mean, that's so important, isn't it, the risk management? The risk management is very important because mm-hmm. that's the quickest way to lose money. Yeah. You know, because you can get caught up in buying afterpay now and mm-hmm. it could be considered overvalued, being that it's worth more than – or considered to be worth a lot more than what it is. So as a result, I think this is where people get caught up. I mean, you only have to look at what happened in the U.S. market last week when it fell, you know, about 10%, um, and people lost money. And some of the tech stocks even further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Uh, We should date stamp this because uh, things are moving so quickly these days, aren't they? It's um, uh, Wednesday the 16th of September. And, uh, yeah, so last week, yeah, we did see that. But there's been a bit of a recovery since then. But I think that's what's going on at the moment. I mean, I've been talking to other guests and we're looking at um, how markets are performing at the moment. And there is that thing where there's nowhere else to put your money, isn't it, that seems to be taking hold. Yeah, that's correct. I Mm. mean, at the end of the day, you know, low interest rate environment, if you're looking at maybe investing in property, depending on what you read, they're either some people are saying property prices are going to remain at this level, maybe drop a few percent. Others are talking doom and gloom, 10, 15, 20 percent, depending on what happens with the end of JobKeeper and now with the banks saying that they have to reassess people's loans. If you can't or you, they think that you can't make payment, then they're going to have to foreclose, things like that. I mean, these are the kind of factors, I think, that uh, scare people when it comes to investing in property. So I think the share market becomes very attractive as a result. And part of that is uh, diversification. And this is part of the risk management as well, is that the you can, on the share market, find diversification. Is that the case? Yes, that is true. Mm. Um, look, you can look at various things because you can also invest in property in the share market by investing in real estate investment trusts, you know, REITs as we call it. So there's lots of opportunities in which you can um, use or invest in other industries, uh, other markets, if you will, um, other sectors. So diversification is very important, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yep, and uh, diversification also means being in different asset classes, not just in the share market. And like um, REITs are an example that you gave. Actually, that's something I'm going to have to do on this podcast. I've never covered (laughs) REITs, real estate investment trusts. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. No problem. But um, there's things like bonds and fixed interest and so many other things, and they're available as well on the the ASX. That's correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Tell us about zero brokerage. Which markets does it apply to? Okay, um, zero brokerage or zero commission. At the moment, it's just on the US market. We're looking to launch it for European stocks, hopefully by the end of this month. We're currently working on that. Primarily, it'll be around the UK, German stocks, um, but across Europe. And then hopefully in the new year, we're looking to launch Australian stocks. So that's the last part of the whole plan. So which um, American stocks, which U.S. stocks does it apply to? Is it, is it the whole of the um, the U.S. market? No, not the whole, because what we're looking at is just those stocks that we believe have the most liquidity, most popular. We don't want people to be trading stocks that are illiquid, if mm. you will, and that can get caught. Um, because with the way, particularly the market, the American market is performing, you're seeing, you're seeing sharp spikes or downturns. And people can get caught very easily as a result. So we prefer to just focus on those stocks that are well-known, that have high liquidity, and therefore people will be more interested in investing in, especially when you're looking at doing that research. You know, you don't want to look at some no-name stock that is very hard to find any information on. So someone coming to the eToro website for the first time, Where's a good place to start about learning what's available and what can be done with it? Because it's not just about zero brokerage. There's, it's a, there's a social aspect to it as well, isn't there? A community. That's correct. Um, look, the first port of call, if you will, would be the training academy. Um, we have a lot of different materials by which you can learn about the market. So we have videos about trading. There is also uh, a training school. Now, this comes out of the UK office. But it's recorded so that you can watch a, a video of it. Then, of course, we have, as you just mentioned, the social trading aspect, whereby people like to share ideas, thoughts, um, talk about what they're trading and why they're buying or selling this particular stock. Um, and that's a great way to communicate with people. Um, it's very much the Facebook, if you will, of investing. And I think that that's where a lot of people gravitate to. I mean, trading can be a very lonely experience because you're sitting in front of the computer by yourself, you're making decisions. We're giving you the opportunity to share your experiences with other people, share your knowledge. And I think that's, uh, that's something that a lot of people want to gravitate. It's one of the reasons why we've got 13 million now registered users, and it's growing very quickly. And they've got different styles, like um, on this podcast, we're always talking about investing rather than trading, because people often come on and think, oh, I'm Correct. going to be a trader. Yeah. Is there that kind of aspect to the community as well, investing and trading? Correct. Yes. Mm. Look, um, because we're a multi-asset platform, allowing people to trade different assets, bar property, of course, um, the ability there is for people to gravitate to those areas that you're interested. So particularly, say, in the share market, you're more likely going to be investing. But if you're looking to trade commodities or you're looking to trade currencies, um, then you're probably trading rather than investing. So in that particular case, there's a whole different demographic and people that you'll be speaking to. 
what we're trying to get, of course, or, or trying to um, suggest to people is that diversification so that you do, not only are you just looking at equities, but you might have some interest in, in trading maybe currencies or, or trading commodities. Now, if you don't have any knowledge, one of the unique propositions of eToro is the ability for you to copy a successful trader. So what happens is when that trader makes a trade or, or invests in a particular commodity or, or currency, the exact same position goes on your account. And so if he's making money, then you're making money. What is a commodity? And people can trade, like commodities are like things like iron ore or sugar, yep. things like that? Correct. I mean, look, the most popular commodities at the moment that people are trading are oil, obviously, because everyone's seeing oil prices move up and down, and gold. Um, so they're the ones that most people gravitate to. I mean, we do have what we call soft commodities, and that's what you mentioned a little bit uh, a while ago, which is grain, sugar, mm. uh, corn, etc. But most people gravitate towards the, the the gold and the oil. And uh, currencies. It's not something that's in the basics of mm-hmm. investing, but just give us a little bit of a quick explanation about um, currencies and how people trade currencies. Well, trading currencies is just like trading shares. It's it's where you think a particular currency is going to go. Now, remember that currencies can only move up and down when compared to another currency. And most of the time, that second currency is the US dollar. So, for example, you're sitting in front of the TV, six o'clock news, and they talk about the Australian dollar. And it's always the Australian dollar against the US dollar. And they might say it's now worth 73 cents. So essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to speculate on whether the Australian dollar is going to rise or fall against the US dollar. And that's the decisions that you kind of make. And you might make that decision depending on what is going on in the economy. Trading currencies is a lot more difficult than trading shares. It looks very attractive to a lot of people, but believe me, it is a lot of hard work. And I actually see more people lose money trading currencies than any other investment. And and you have um, inbuilt checks to um, constrain people jumping into areas that they don't understand, don't you, in, yes. in the platform? It, basically what we do is when you first register on the platform, we will ask a series of questions. And then depending on your response, we'll determine what you can invest in. But even if you're trading, say, something like currencies, we have inbuilt mechanisms, if you will, that says that, you know, you can't lose any more than what you've put in. You know, we don't want to see people owing us thousands of dollars. And a lot of companies now in this industry are going down that path. In fact, this is one thing that ASIC is regulating for. Well, it's a very sensible uh, point, isn't it? It's very sensible, yeah. Copy trading. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell us all about copy trading. Okay. <laughs> this, well, is, I, this is very social, isn't it? There's no social distancing in copy trading, is there? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, copy trading is probably the most unique feature of our of our platform. Um, basically, copy trading, I, I touched upon it just a little while ago. Um, it's the ability for people to basically start speaking to other traders or investors on the market. Um, and then if they like what that person is talking about, they can go to his page, if you will, or go to his profile. And on that profile, there are four different pages that they can view. 
So the first page is is the newsfeed. It's basically all the conversations that he has with numerous people that might be within our network or within our social network and what he's been saying to them. So you can scroll through that newsfeed and see what comments he's made. The second page becomes what we call our stats page. And the stats page tells the person who's looking at this particular investor or trader um, the person's performance. So how many times he makes money, how many times he loses money, um, what does he like to trade. Um, in terms of what he trades, which are the ones that are more successful and which ones aren't. Then it might tell you what we call a drawdown. Now, what a drawdown is, is basically if you were to invest $100 into the market, how far would you allow a loss to go down to before you cut the position? That's what we call a drawdown. So if you see somebody that says has an 80% drawdown, it means that if he's invested $100, he will allow the market to drop $80 in value before he will cut his position. Now, if I saw that and then I saw that this client was taking profit very quickly, that would be a warning bell to me. It would tell me, hold on a second, this guy lets his losses run and he takes profit too quickly. This means that he might have a lot of winning positions, but one day when the market goes against him, it could wipe out everything. So that to me is a no-no. And then you will look at you know how long he's in the market, um, in terms of his trade. so Is, is that page two or are we on to page no, this three? No, this is still, still page, page two. two. Okay. This is all yeah. on page two. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of information. I think the, the most challenging aspect for anyone who is looking to copy is to understand page two because mm-hmm. page two is really where it's at. Uh, page three will show you what he's currently investing in. So you can see whether he's investing in equities or shares or whether he's investing in commodities or FX and what positions he holds, so what stocks or shares he's bought. And then the page four is just basically a graph showing his performance over the period of time. So there is a lot of information there for you to assess before you make a decision as to whether or not you want to copy this guy. But the first thing you can do is that instead of saying copy, I could say follow And what that effectively means is that every time this person places a trade in the market, whether it be on equities or currencies or whatever, you'll get an alert that says he's just bought this. And then you can make a decision as to whether or not to act. The more sophisticated approach is to say, I now trust this guy. I think that, you know, based on his stat page, looking at his performance, looking at what he's investing in, I like everything that he's doing. I'm prepared to risk some money here. So you might say, okay, I'll invest $5,000 with this guy. You can put in what we call a stop loss, which means effectively that if the market was to go against this particular person, at what point do you want to stop copying him? So you could say of that $5,000, if he ends up losing $1,000, then I want to close out the position and stop copying him. So you make the investment. Every time he places a trade, the exact same trade goes on your account. So when he's making money, you're making money. ShareSite is an online portfolio tracking tool that automatically records trades, dividends, ETF distributions, and gives you the reporting tools you need to help you manage your portfolio. ShareSite is pleased to extend a special offer to listeners of this podcast. Save four months on an annual premium plan. Go to sharesite.com slash sharesforbeginners and sign up now for a free trial before taking advantage of four free months. 
It'll help you save money at tax time and improve your investing decisions. That's sharesite.com slash shares for beginners. What's the minimum amount you can put into a copy trader like that? Look, you can put in as minimum of $200, but I would suggest that basically you look at a little bit more than that to get a true experience of what's going on. But I would again say that you need to do your research. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're comfortable with what this guy is doing. Um, We have also on our platform what we call an editor's choice, which is where we recommend certain traders. Um, And then these traders are the ones that we have seen a consistent performance of. And then you can go in and look at those individual traders and then make a decision from there. And a lot of those traders will be trading different instruments. So somebody might be focused on currencies. Somebody might be focused on equities or shares, but it might only be on the US market. Then there might be other people that are looking at the European market. This is the diversification I talked about. Hmm. Whereas when somebody is new to the market and, and doesn't, understand what to do this is something that they can choose to do i can maybe invest five hundred dollars with this person five hundred dollars with this person five hundred dollars with this person and now i have exposure in u.s shares in european shares and maybe somebody is trading gold so but these people well first of all these are not just any Joe Blowers off the street that you would be following. They're vetted, aren't they? There is a vetting process, isn't there? Correct. Yeah. Look, there are two types of people that you can copy. One is, say, you and I both join eToro. And I decide, Philip, I'm going to copy you. You know, we're mates. And what we're going to do is that, you know, whatever trade you play, so I'm happy to, to follow you. Yeah. And that's. You that, can that, lose money as much. Yeah, exactly. We're, <laughs> as long with friends, a bit the it doesn't guy. matter. Yeah. Then there is what we call the popular investor. Uh, now, these are the people that are vetted. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking for is a track record. We want to see how you've performed over a period of time. We then put in certain risk parameters. So if you start, if you're one of those guys that like to take risky bets on particular stocks, then we have a risk score. And once your risk score gets above a certain amount, you're blocked from being copied. So we're essentially saying we don't want people to be gambling with their money, hoping that they're going to see excessive returns and then getting people to copy them. That makes no sense. We believe in responsible trading. And do people find this a good learning experience? They, they actually learn from it or is it a lazy way of doing it? It's a bit of both. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is a learning experience. You it's up what, to the individual, I guess. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. It's what you put in and what to take out. At the end of the day, we have some people that are happy to say, I'm going to copy three or four traders, investors, and I don't want to know anything about it. As long as they're returning me money, I'm happy. And we've got some very good, successful traders. Look, I think we need to to make it very clear. We've got 13 million registered users, but less than 1,000 popular investors. So we are really picking the cream of the crop here. We are not looking at just anybody can become a popular investor. Anybody can start having people, you know, copy them. Um, For you to do that, we really want to assess your ability to trade or invest, your risk management, how you trade. And there are times when people give up. They say, look, this is too hard. That's fine with us. Um, And that's what we're looking to do. Sounds great. (laughs) It does sound a little bit too good to be true. (laughs) Uh, Not too good to be true. At the end of the day, we like to think that we're on the cutting edge Mm -hmm. of offering investment or wealth management products. Um, That's really where eToro is heading. 
Uh, we came into Australia as a CFD provider. Um, I don't know whether your listeners understand what a CFD is. We haven't is. really covered CFDs, yeah. but, yeah, stay yeah. away from them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Just know so, enough about, about yeah, them not so that, to, until you know exactly what you're doing. Yes, that's true. It's probably more for an experienced trader or investor to go into that particular area. Um, so we came in on that, but since then we're gravitating towards more the stocks Crypto assets is something else that we're interested in, mm-hmm. and all these other wealth management products. I think that anybody that comes to eToro or looks at us now and then looks at us in 10 years' time is going to see a company that's evolved a lot and grown a lot. Okay. Tell us about um, how we can make contact. What's the best way to start? The best way to start is probably go to our website. Um, you can register. So it's www.etoro.com. Register there. It's free. And you've got a play money um, yes. facility as yes. well, just to start playing with uh, virtual money. Correct. You have mm. a demo account. Look, I would advise anyone starting out, um, use the demo account to understand how the platform works. Don't use the demo account to learn how to trade. The reason being is that when you're trading with play money, there's no risk management involved here. You're, you're, it doesn't mean anything to you. You know, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to sell that. It goes up, it goes down, I don't care. So if anyone thinks that they are going to be learning how to manage risk by using a demo account, I can tell you right now, you might start off with that intention, but then you'll get lazy. And then, or it might give you a false sense of security. Hey, I turned this demo account, you know, 100,000 into 200,000. Well, I need to get started. I'm a genius. Yeah, I'm a genius. I know everything about trading. You know, and they may forget that, hey, I bought in a market that was only going in one direction. You know, I bought Tesla and Tesla went through the roof. And all of a sudden now I know what I'm doing. No, that's, that's not how it works. So the idea should be the demo account is to learn how to push buttons, how to trade. Then what you should do is start small. You know, understanding though that, you know, if you're investing, say, $200 or $50 or $100, you're not going to try and make $100. You know, it's about conservatism in terms of your trading. Yep. I always, this is the, the one thing I keep on hammering into people. And it's a quote from one of our previous guests, match your risk to your experience. Correct. It's just such a beautiful. That's a great quote. Yeah. It's a great quote. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very accurate, particularly when you're first starting out. And I think too many people get caught up with this idea. They get this false sense of security. And when they put real money in, that's when you start to second guess. You start to realize, hold on a second. That could be money for my children's education. Or if you're a young person, I'm trying to, you know, invest or, or put down a deposit for a house. Yeah. yeah. You know, so hold on a second. I, I have to be very careful. Mm. And it's when those doubts occur that you then wait, the market goes up, it goes up, it goes up, and then finally decide, okay, I'm going to buy. And guess what? The market turns around and goes back down. And I see that time and time again. Uh, whereas on the demo account, you know, with this play money, Hey, I think this is going to go up. Uh, put in, you know, five thousand. Well, it's a big difference, isn't it? Real money, as opposed because um, play money doesn't doesn't affect you the way real Correct. money does. Real money is what's going to really drive your emotions and how you react to it. That's it. I mm. mean, at the end of the day, when you're investing or trading, it's really a battle between fear and greed. Mm-hmm. At the end, and which one wins? <laughs> Both can kill you. Yep. Both can cause you to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why some people actually gravitate towards that copy trading. I'd rather not deal with this and, and start worrying about my position. I'd rather have somebody else you know, do yep. it for me. However, you have to have a lot of confidence in that person. 
Robert Francis, thank you so much for joining us. Philip, thank you. It's been a pleasure. You can call me Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> the company and or guest has contributed to the costs associated with producing this episode of Shares for Beginners. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Soulos for music production with that special Greekalicious flavour. Remember, music always flows, even when the money won't. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.